Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by EPM. EPM is passionate about helping their clients succeed. From the very beginning, they set out to be different from other companies. Their diverse team of experts working in a collaborative entrepreneurial culture bring fresh thinking and creative solutions every day. They live and breathe their brand's mission and vision. EPM is all about empowerment and through it all, they will continue to offer top financial service, communication and assistance to the communities they serve. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarebetter.com. All right, welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I'm your host, JP Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors. And today I have my good new friend, Carrie Gusmus, like a Husbus. That's what we we're trying to go for there. That's right. That's right. Aslan Home Lending Corporation. Do you say corporation at the end? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so how are you? I am great. Thank you, JP. I'm so happy to be here with you, the Hus Bus and the Gus Bus. I, lo- I mean, I love it. I mean, I think we should get a, some sort of collaboration with a shirt going on. I'm, There's I mean, got to be something. I mean, we're not licensed in your state. So at the very least, <laughs> we'll send people on the Gus Bus up to Philly. Hey, I'll take anything I can get right now. Okay. We'll talk about that, right? <laughs> That's um, right. Exactly. Yeah. So you were just telling me that's I-95 behind you, right? That's I-25. 25. Okay, yes. 25. So where, where are you guys located? So we are at Colorado Boulevard and I-25 in Denver, Colorado. Denver. So yeah, we're just a little bit south of the city. If I turn my camera that way, you would see downtown Denver. This this is a much nicer view. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been out there a few times. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Um. We've died, brought the whole family. I had three kids. We went with my wife was due with one of them. We went down, flew to Denver, went to Colorado Springs, did all that down there. It, it's it's cool out there. What One thing Beautiful. I always, because in Philly, right, we have all four seasons, which you guys do as well. So out east, right, we always think, oh, Denver, it's so cold. It's just snowing all the time. It's not. You probably have the same weather as us. Sometimes it's warmer there than here. Yeah. So today, it. I mean, it's November. We have had snow. I don't think can't really see any of it on the ground mm-hmm. anymore. But this is. I don't have a jacket today. I don't have a sweater. Uh, I'm wearing no sleeves. It's 71 degrees and sunny. Nice. And so, and we'll get that in February. It's it's, and yeah. you'll get snow one day, and then it'll all melt the next day because it's 70. Yep. That's so, one thing I correct. I realized. I just people out here just think, oh, it's just snowboarding and skiing that's all it is it's not like it's 55 degrees here in philly and you said it's 70 it was 71 yesterday but whatever that's a whole nother discussion we'll send some more warm weather your way all right cool throw it on the 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 gust gust bus that's right we should vacation together we'd be like national lampoons i'm in i need a vacation but either way um (laughs) all right so let's jump in uh like i said before this i specifically don't get to know you in the beginning because I want to get to know you now. Um, so you are the broker owner of, of Aslan, right? Yes. So I want to break it all the way back though. So could you tell us how you even got into the industry? Cause no one really thinks growing up, I'm going to be in the mortgage industry. So how did you get in? They absolutely do not think I'm going to be in the mortgage industry. I haven't met one yet. Me even neither. people who grew up in mortgage families, say I was not going to be in mortgage. And now here I am sitting with you and I'm in mortgage. So mm-hmm. I was like so many people, an accidental uh, participant in the mortgage industry. I was actually in financial service. I got into financial service in February of 1990. And I was with Shirsten Lehman Hutton. I like to say that because people say, who are any of those people? Yeah, they're yeah. all gone. They were all massive and now defunct. And uh-huh. so mortgage consolidation you don't you don't scare me i started in that industry Got it. okay uh but i had a friend who was a broker and so one night she was my best friend and she said i have this job opportunity i'm thinking about it let me talk to you about it she told me all about this 
joint venture between a bank and this real estate office. And she was going to go in and, you know, run three of these offices. And she worked from home. I used to joke with her because she worked from home in her bunny slippers. She'd go to Peaberry's coffee and she'd work. And, and so she said, I said, you're going to go sit in an office every day. You, that you don't do that. And so she said, no, but this is a time, this is the beginning of 2001. The Janus fund is getting 70%. Right. My clients, I'm talking to them about financial responsibility. They only want to talk to me about tech stocks. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just feeling, I was in this moment of burnout. I'll never forget it. I said, give me their phone number because I'm going to get that job. Nice. And she said, you're not even in the mortgage business. And mm -hmm. I said, nope, but it can't be actually harder than what I'm in. I carry so many licenses and have so much education every year. And I have sure. a CLU and a CHFC and all these things. And so I did, I called the bank. Uh, well, first I called the broker owner of the real estate office and I spoke to them and they said, well, call, it sounds amazing. I don't yeah. know, but call the bank. So I called the bank. I talked with them and I actually got offered the job to go in and originate inside of that joint venture and watch over those three offices and actually manage other people originating when I'd never originated alone in yeah, my life. That's crazy. So, so. you literally, um, I think this will let us go on a tangent at some point, but you literally yeah. called a real estate office and said, I want to be a part of this. You've never originated alone. And they're like, okay, call the bank. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we like you and okay. Like that's, that's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's I totally... have a background with financials, but still, that's still kind of crazy. That's it was, it was just nuts. I, I, she said, well, this is the guy. And so I called and I said, Hey, you've uh, talked to my friend Tracy and, and she, I, she gave them, let them know that she was not going, she wasn't interested. And I said, well, you were talking to my friend Tracy and she wasn't interested, but this is who I am. And this is what I do. And I'm in financial planning and have a seven and an eight and all of these licenses and designations and how hard can yeah. representing one thing, doing one thing, mm -hmm. how hard could that be? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they liked me and they said, okay, uh, talk to the bank. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 So I, to piggyback off this, I want to know more about what you're doing, but I was just speaking to my coach before this call. Right. And uh, it's, it's just funny. Like a lot of people see, you know, okay, I'm the, um, and I hope this helps people out. I do the podcast. I do this. I do that. I'm literally talking to my coach about how to get myself, my brother, Nick, who works here as an LO, other LOs to literally pick up the phone to go generate business, whether it's your book of business, whether it is a real estate partner you've done business with. And we've been procrastinating on this for a month. Right. Like I got a list right here. Like don't do anything about it. Right. And I was literally trying to get myself out of that hole and people see me oh, doing this. I'm like, no, it's hard. I like it is. And the fact that what I'm trying to kind of connect here is you just picked up the phone without even any experience and kind of went into something. So what I'm trying to say is like, there is no way to motivate yourself. That's what I just learned. There's nothing there. You just have to kind of do the first one yeah. and let it steamroll. So I wanted to bring that up because it is a tougher time in the industry. I'm trying to kind of help people out. Well, and I, I put on a sticky note for really tough calls yesterday and they were, and they're big calls. Like these are business owners. Mm -hmm. uh, they would be significant to have as affinity relationships for Aslan. And mm -hmm. so I put them on a sticky note and I said to myself, you can't do anything else. You cannot do one other thing until you just call these four people. Yep. Yep. Whatever else you do for the day will be successful mm -hmm. if you just call these four people. And I did those calls first and it is such a triumphant feeling. I wish we could, mm -hmm. I wish we could infuse that into our originators on our team and other originators mm -hmm. just to say, if you just make the first one and make the hardest one, you're going to feel so psyched. Even if they shoot you down or you get voicemail or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're going to feel so psyched that you mm -hmm. did it. Yep. that it'll make all the rest of them that much easier. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hope this helps anyone listen to this, that everyone has trouble doing that, but you have to figure out a way to do it. And there's no, you know, something you can take or whatever. I mean, I mean, I guess you could like take a shot of whiskey or something. I mean, I, maybe <laughs> I've done that before to make it before a tough call. But anyway, whatever works to kind of just make you do the first one, because it kind of does steamroll, you know? Exactly. So I hope that helps some people. 
But anyway, back to you. So your journey, you started there, you worked for a bank, right? It was a bank. Yeah. So what led you to where you're at now, I guess? So I worked in bank and retail, non-bank for my entire career until 2019. I will tell you a funny story. I, I love my people. I'm so invested in them. Like what breaks their heart breaks my heart. When they succeed, I succeed. When they fail, I fail. So it's unusual for someone, even in the retail environment of more money and getting six figure signing bonuses and everything, it's unusual for somebody to leave me. And I had uh, two women resign to go to the brokerage industry and it like I was crushed. So I started doing this research project so that I could debunk and just hammer broker. Mm. And instead I walked away with uh, this epiphany that actually broker and wholesale was the only way to best represent and provide for our clients. And it was really the only way I was ever truly going to be of the most service to my team and the loan officers that worked inside of any organization. I thought I have to actually be broker. So I left retail and I started a brokerage company and I had a couple of friends and said, Hey, this is what I'm going to go do. And they said, we want to do it too. And mm -hmm. so the four of us all opened Aslan together. We have a, we're hundred percent woman owned. We have four oh. women that we started the company, but that's really how it happened. I would have never told you, I would have absolutely told you, no broker is bad. And, mm -hmm. and I am never going to leave retail and I'm really not going to re leave retail non-bank because bank is bad. Mm -hmm. And I ended up writing this class called Broker Demystified. And mm -hmm. I started teaching it to real estate agents and started teaching it to loan officers about why they should, the history of brokerage actually, mm -hmm. and how brokerage was so strong historically. Uh, prior to 2008, 69% of all originations were done through brokers. They were mm -hmm. just all sent to the big five, the five largest banks and to Countrywide. And yeah. so when those six basically in six weeks said we're not going to be wholesale anymore mm -hmm, it, it almost collapsed the industry so that in 2009 only eight percent of originations were done mm -hmm. out of the broker channel but i so i looked at this history i wrote this class about why it's so much more of a servant posture for our clients mm -hmm. when we are brokers and so that's mm -hmm. how aslin came to be is I started out trying to get all of you brokers to, to leave my people alone and stop being yeah. brokers. And I ended up, uh, yeah, going it, over to the light side and becoming a broker. Yeah. So, um, I started our brokerage, uh, end of 2018. So really 2019. And I feel like that was the first kind of mini wave of the broker coming back. If you remember, mm -hmm. I mean, that was when like, yeah, I'm starting to figure out retail here and how I don't have as much control and I deal with friends and family and referrals of them and doesn't feel right anymore. I'm not getting much out of the, the middle management type. Like it, it just, I'm, I, 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 I don't like fakeness sometimes. I'm not, mm -hmm. maybe that's the wrong word, but I, I have a tough time sleeping at night and that's why I kind of did it for a bunch of other reasons. Yeah. But it sounds like you were in that first, reinvention of the broker same time as myself and now we have this whole which we can get into later whole other wave right yes. now it's 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 insane of how yeah. much but, but that's a testament to a bunch of different groups like aim and putting things together in place because when you got in right like if we want to touch on that it was I, well you'll tell me but there wasn't many resources mm -mm. right like yeah. now there's so much you know could, could you talk a little bit about how maybe hard or something that you had to get across or jump over once you became a broker with, with the three of Absolutely. Others? Absolutely. Especially because we wanted to become a brokerage company that offered services to other, to, to loan officers. So we wanted yeah. to form a full company. We didn't want to mm. just be the four of us working from home, doing our thing. We wanted to create a company and attract people out of retail, especially to all the services that they could still 
have available, but all the choices that they could also have available. Mm -hmm. So when we started, that was a lot harder. Um, AIM was, was much smaller. AIM existed, but it was much smaller. It had a different feel and a different direction. And I would say it wasn't necessarily one that I felt uh, inclined to align myself sure. with. And they were just starting to, like, you were just starting to get really, like the brokers are better community talking with each other. So there, there wasn't this cohesiveness and this as there wasn't just as much available. And so we're sort of figuring stuff out. We're on the yeah. NMLS. We're figuring out who we should use for compliance and mm -hmm. how do we figure out the comp plan and which investors should we have and, and what technology tools should we use? And so we were starting more from ground zero and looking for resources. And now I believe that it is so much easier for mm -hmm a loan officer who wants to leave or even a company that wants to leave retail to join someone like you or I mm -hmm. that already exists, but it's also easier for them to say, I want to start my own mm -hmm. company I, or I just want to work from home and I want to originate myself. Yeah. I had a loan officer who's in retail recently say to me, well, how come in the broker world, like all of the hundred million dollar producers in retail, and I could have just fallen out of my chair because I thought, boy, we are doing a bad job in the broker community of communicating how many top producers are in wholesale. I think we don't necessarily care as much to toot our own horn or to apply for Scotsman or whatever it is. We do not advertise ourselves the way that the retail channels Correct. pour money into saying, oh, look at all the hundred million dollar producers. But it's like, there are fantastic, stunningly successful producers in the broker channel. Mm -hmm. And so we still have a ways to go. Like we've, we've implemented all these resources. AIM has come so far. And I really do think that it's, it's the association of choice. It's they're mm -hmm. speaking, they're advocating, they're giving us some lobbying presence. Like it really is becoming that association of choice for people in our profession. And I think that we still have a long way to go though, so that we can speak to the fact that you can be in wholesale and be unbelievably successful. And in fact, you're not even a trailblazer at this point. There's so no. many people, there's so many hundred million dollar producers who are in the wholesale channel or 50 million or 80 million or 200 million. Mm -hmm. I would love to see us figure out how do we communicate that more clearly because mm -hmm. that will help more people from retail make this transition. Yeah, so to give you a little bit of hope, um, on that. So literally just yesterday, I'm talking with three other, um, individuals with, uh, Tom Ailes, who's a part of aim president of uh, go broker or whatever it is. And we're working on putting together something that's more of a simple feel of the, qu it's tough to present this, right? Cause in retail, like we were, we don't believe any of it. Right. It sounds too good to be true. You know? we're working on that, which should be unleashed hopefully soon in the next month, which uh, should be good for everyone. That's a part of aim, get it out countrywide and be able for them to go get some real information. Right. You know, no BS. We need that real, real information to have it not sound like, like retail. Right. Scotsman God. We need to make kind of hone this in a bit because it really is the true most pure form of, of originating in my opinion. Yes. Yes. So, amen. Cool. So what I've been excited to talk to you about, because it's very important to me, and I'm going to leave this very broad right now and see where it goes, but, but mindset, right? That's big for me. I'm reading, now I'm reading some of the notes, right? And communication, like we just said, communicating the broker model, right? Yeah. So if we bring it back to, well, let me ask you a question. Do you produce right now or are you more running the company? All right, so you're still producing that. That's big to know. I think when people put a face to it, I produce the whole thing. So that's good. You're in the grind still. Yes, absolutely. But you have other LOs and whatnot, right? Yes. So what, what are you mindset wise? What are you telling yourself? What are you telling your LOs? We're in a, a cycle. We're in a different, tougher time. I'm sure you have the, the same type of talk with yourself as you may have with your LOs. What are you what are you saying right now in the present market? So I am actually incredibly positive mm -hmm. in this market. I love this market. I have been 
waiting for this market. Mm. If you are a loan officer and you have just been standing out there with your basket, catching the stuff falling, I'm sorry, because I'm speaking to people in retail and wholesale, mm -hmm. your time is done. Your time is done now. You're probably looking and you're saying, gosh, I haven't originated a loan in the last two or three or five months. Even if you did 25 million, 30 million, whatever, last year, if you were just the drop catching the fruit dropping, you're done. There's never been really a better time in America to get a job. You know, there's still 1.9 jobs for every person who's looking. So you could go get a job. I am excited for this time for wholesale because truly we are better for the client. I worry, I worry a little bit because some of our investors are enormous and good for them because we need that strength. Yep but it comes with the ivory tower that is indicative of retail and of bank and it's very expensive. And so one of our most competitive advantages is our pricing abilities as well as our loan product options. And mm -hmm. so I love seeing more of our traditional QM lenders branch into non-QM and other programs and products, making themselves more available. I love, the competition, I know they might hate it, but I love the competition between our wholesale lenders. That is pro broker. It is mm -hmm. pro customer. The retail people that I talk to, one, a lot of them are in pain because of the unsurety that they mm -hmm. have. They have companies that they are working for that completely shut down retail. Yep or that shut down entire states of their operation didn't matter hey you're doing a billion dollars in that state who cares we're closing you because it just makes the most financial sense to us and we're too big to care we're not too big to fail we're too big to care care so yeah. we have such an amazing opportunity because we're in such a competitive model because we have so much freedom to make the best choices for our client. It's not like it was before. If something happens to a wholesale company, so let's just say um, Loan Depot because they got mm -hmm. out of wholesale, mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. We still had 65 other sure. lenders that we were active, that we actively contract with and hundreds more to choose from. Mm -hmm. If you're in the retail or the bank environment right now, you just have your company. It and if they've jacked your pricing by 200 basis points, that's unfortunate for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a trapped, trapped feeling, right? right? No one likes to be trapped, right? right? That's why I like it on this side. You, you're not trapped. Like you said, Loan Depot, no more wholesale. Okay. <laughs> right. I don't have I that mean, anxiety now of worrying FOA, about FOA. If you were retail with FOA, you didn't have a job overnight. That's insane. That's insane. That doesn't happen. That does not happen in the broker world. Mm -hmm. And so I look at retail bank and non-bank as you are a captive, mm -hmm. like here's your handcuffs. You are a captive. Mm -hmm. I look at wholesale as broke and broker. You are a client. You are a customer. You are the person they are. All of our partners, our lender partners want to do business with us. So that's a great opportunity for us to be talking. Think about what are real estate call, agents called? They're mm -hmm. real estate brokers, brokers. Yep. right? They're mm -hmm. real estate brokers, mm -hmm. real estate agents when polled nationally feel more closely aligned with mortgage brokers than they do with mortgage bankers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We should be calling and saying, I'm a mortgage broker. Now I've heard people say, oh, you can't beat my rate or whatever. Don't do not diminish yourself to only that conversation, mm. but making those contacts and saying, hey, you're a real estate broker. You represent everything that is best for your client. You just don't mm. show them the listings of the company that you work for. Correct. Why would you ever work mm. with a lender captive to a company? Mm. I'm a mortgage broker. I am much more closely aligned and I'm already speaking to what they're thinking, at least according to national, uh, I almost said polling data. National, <laughs> well, election day, so. National survey, uh, survey data. I'm already speaking to what those real estate professionals are thinking. I want to bring the best thing to their client. And yeah. that, you know, that's so much how we can take market share, both by pulling people from the retail environment who are captives. They are enslaved by the company that they work for. 
with no flexibility and no choices, we can pull them out and increase our market share in the wholesale industry, but we also can increase our market share with traditional and non-traditional partners by talking mm -hmm. to the fact and speaking to the fact that we really have the best ability to serve. What about you, JP? What What are your thoughts about that? Because I know. No, yeah, because that was going to be you answered the question I was going to ask. Like, if you were calling a a real estate broker right now, what what are you saying to them? And you just hit it on the head, really. Like, well, that's. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things I'm saying. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I think what, what hit home for me was, um, like you said, the not bank, non-bank, they're captive, right? Mm -hmm. They, It's tough for them right now to be passionate about their product, right? Yeah. It's tough to go and talk to someone about why they should use you when you don't believe it yourself. And in the broker world, because it can be so pure and you have options, you're, you can be passionate about it. Right. right. So that comes off on that call or that face to face meeting. You can be passionate. I think we don't give human beings enough credit. They smell that out. Yep. Right. And that was a huge reason why I left from that that ground down. Numbers can be one thing, but really it was just this is the best spot I can be to do how, how I do business and believe in what I'm doing. Right. And if you're passionate about yourself today, uh -huh. if you just woke up passionate about yourself and your ability to serve your customer today, mm -hmm. then that's all you needed. That's all you need. You, because you still know, hey, today, no matter what's going on, they can reignite the implodometer and we can have, it's not just the like six huge wholesalers doing most of the business now. There's hundreds mm -hmm. and no one can fail that can drive the broker out of business. You have so much flexibility. You have so much choice and you have so much control that as long as Hey, Carrie and JP woke up excited about what we can do for people today. Then we can take all of the choices that we've garnered for our companies and take those to our clients and take those to market without fear that, well, one of them raises their rates or one of them goes yeah. out of business. So uh, it's definitely a conversation that I'm having with referral partners to say, and I am using production tools like MMI to yeah. Of course, take production and say, look, I can see that you're working with this bank or this mortgage company. Why would you do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. So using the data to, to be able to have the right conversation to different people. Right. Because exactly. that's going to be my next thing. So we know speaking to real estate brokers, that's one conversation. It can sometimes be a bit more high level because they understand the industry. Now, if you're speaking to an actual client, mm -hmm. someone that doesn't know the industry, they don't care. Like when I bought my first house, I had no idea. Just get me the loan. Just tell me yeah. what to do, right? Ten and a half but, percent. Whatever. But the consumer is smarter nowadays, I feel like, than in the past. They they know more, right? So if you're speaking to, I mean, let's just say it's a first time home buyer. Like, how are you presenting why you're better than the big names they see? Wells Fargo, whatever it might be. How, yeah. What are you doing there? This is a different combo. It's, it is a different conversation and kind of a different, it's a different spin. The first thing that I am talking to all buyers and prospective buyers about is that now is the time to buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally butchering it, paraphrasing Warren Buffett and his phrase of when other people are greedy, it's time to be scared. And when other people are scared, it's time to be greedy a lot of people are scared. They're scared of this market. I am communicating. I've actually been calling every person, hundreds of people that I pre-approved in the last three years when they were in bidding wars and using cash only programs and paying two points for those things. And it was crazy and it didn't feel good, especially in Colorado in this market. And they're like, well, I've made 20 offers and I'm the 22nd offer every time. I'm calling all of those people back, especially in saying now is when you want to buy. Mm -hmm. You can never, this is when we need to have wisdom as mm -hmm. originators, we need mm -hmm. to be educated and we need to have wisdom and we need to do the financial research so that we can mm -hmm. talk to these people are more sophisticated, but they're still watching the news. Correct. So we need to draw them back to that sophistication or educate them if they're not and say, this is the time to buy real estate nationwide and you research your own market in denver it's absolutely true and in colorado real mm -hmm. estate has outpaced inflation over mm. any measurable period in history mm -hmm. maybe not in a day but we're not buying a house for a day no 
institution. We're not right. trading it. So if I buy real estate now, even with interest rates where they are, even with prices where they are, that's still a fantastic investment for me. And rates are temporary. You've heard that phrase already. I'm sure you have, JP, where it's marry the house and date the rate. Yeah, of course. Yeah, rates are temporary. We're in a recession. We're going to go more fully into a recession. I don't really know any economists that aren't saying that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's election day today, so maybe we'll talk about it more openly. <laughs> right, right, right. But as we go deeper into a recession, every single time in, in history, the Fed will start to reduce rates. Long-term rates will have parity and gain uh traction back where the rates will become lower and now you have your house there's not i looked through a dozen different forecasts and predictions from economists and agencies there is not a single economist or agency that i found that predicts housing prices falling mm -hmm. in 2023 so maybe only three percent growth or four percent growth or five growth but if you don't buy now you are going to miss that, that appreciation is gone forever. And probably when rates come down, so is more this sort of more amiable seller environment. Because I, I mm -hmm. tell us about Philadelphia, but I know in Colorado, all of a sudden sellers will give you concessions. Mm -hmm. sellers We're seeing it. Price reductions. Sellers will pay for that buy down. Sellers will do things on the inspection. Mm -hmm. So how about- it's a, it's a, yeah, same thing. It's at least time to get in the game, Yes. right? at least get that uh, initial pre-approval type game plan going so you can be ready to roll. It's funny. I was just with one of my best friends, right? Um, who uh, I was just in Houston with him and we're talking. And of course we talk mortgages, real estate, where everything's going. Everyone's talking about it, whether we're in this industry or not, they're talking about it. Right. Yeah. And he's like, nah, just not the right time. Rates are up. And he's getting really technical. And I'm like, and I went really hokey. Like you just said, buy the house, uh, or on marry the house, marry the house the rate. Rate. and I pulled out and I've never really used it because I don't like to like get too hokey but I'm like hey uh what's the rate on if you're renting a house I pulled it out yeah and I'm like a hundred percent right I had to like, I had to try because totally. he left me no option and he, you can't really argue that when you actually say that I don't care if rates are 10 percent like it's still better to own a home like I don't know how more complicated you want me to get this but right if you if you bought a house today and you had zero appreciation, <laughs> right? In fact, if you bought a house today and you lost money because the house lost value over the yeah. next year, mm -hmm. what would happen if you just rented a house? Well, you lost value. So, okay, your rent is three thousand dollars a month in Denver. That would be actually reasonable. A lot of them mm -hmm. are a lot higher. Your rent's three thousand dollars a month. You just paid thirty six hundred dollars. So yep. if you bought a house and you lost, or thirty six thousand dollars, if yep. you bought a house and it lost thirty six thousand dollars in value this year, yeah, you're still ahead uh -huh. because you still gained interest deduction and you own the property. So as long as you don't sell it, you have the opportunity and uh -huh. will at least historically always gain that value back. And so. Mm -hmm. It's such it's such a great opportunity, but guess we go back to our beginning conversation, Jake. Mm -hmm. We have to talk to enough people. Correct. That's what I was just saying. Like I was just speaking to my coach literally before I jumped on. How do we just jump in and just do it? Because I'm sitting yeah. here wasting time. We want to educate. So you have to reinvent your mind to let them know like we're helping people. We're trying to tell them the truth. We're not BSing. We don't have that old kind of non-bank retail mindset where we don't feel good about what we're calling about. Right. So everyone out there, like, feel passionate about it because it's true for once. Yes. Feel great right. so about what, to, what you have, have to, to offer. Enough, enough people. All right. So that takes me to this part then. Can you, because this helps put it in perspective because there's a lot of different ways to, to run your broker shop, right? Yeah. So how many, uh, I know you have four partners, right? So how many, tell us about your company. How many LOs, support staff? Give me an idea of how big you guys are, what you're doing. Okay, so uh, we have a little bit more than 50 originators. We are our main office, Ooh. our corporate office is here in Colorado. We do have a couple of other bricks and mortar locations. We're licensed. I should have looked at how many states we're licensed in. We're progressing towards 38, 39 states. We don't really anticipate ever being nationwide because there are some states that we don't, we won't have bricks and mortar. 
necessarily. You need them uh, sometimes, depending on the state. Yep. Right. Or they're legislatively just really difficult. And we we've been through several state audits, and that is totally fine. We don't we do everything legal, moral, and ethical, and we're always yeah. trying our best to be by the book. But mm -hmm. states that are known to manage by fine, like, hey, we're not going to tell you you're doing something wrong. We're just going to ask yep. you for a check and mm -hmm. then we'll tell you to fix it. So there's some states that we're not really looking for and that's an intentional model. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to probably be 300 of some of the top producing and just best originators. Like we want best in class mm -hmm. people because we're very collaborative organization. Our team and our we have masterminds, we have internal coaching. Mm -hmm. We're always talking with each other about being better and about what, even what can we do? Hey, I've got this ugly, hairy beast here that is this loan. Mm -hmm. How can I shave this down and make it look presentable? <laughs> and right. so we're always helping each other with things like that. But we're also, everybody's involved in different coaching programs. I love that you referenced your coach and such uh -huh. a huge advocate of coaching. I, I mm -hmm. used to say when Peyton Manning was still playing football, I'd say, if Peyton Manning needs a coach, what possible excuse do you or I have? Uh, yeah. For not having one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, so that's our organization is that we're three years old. We really want to, uh, you know, grow again to, probably this 300 number. I like to say, if I can't have you at my house for dinner, then I shouldn't hire you. Yeah, this is huge. Not to cut you off, I wanna jump in on this. You said earlier, I've been frothing at the mouth to say it back to you, um, best in class people, you yeah. said, yeah. right? Maybe not best in class loan officer, yeah. right? So right now, I'm sure you're getting it too, because I'm getting it. We're a real small kind of family shop, but we're looking to kind of grow how we want to. And that's the beauty of the broker world. You do what you yeah. want, right? We're getting a lot of retail, non-bank, bank coming to us, asking about this, right? So you got to be careful who you hire, yeah. right? And I think that's why, like you, like you said, best in class people. Um, I've always said I would take, you know, three $10 million producers that are kind of cool, you know, fit what our statements are, mission statement, then one $50 million producer that sucks. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what are you doing right now with hiring? Like, are you taking on people that want to, that are brand new to the industry? Are you taking on experience? It's a tough, it's very tough. It and is. we're coming up. I'm, on, I'm the chairman for chairman or whatever, for the new, the next generation committee for aim. And we're trying to figure out a way to get new blood into the industry but it's very, very hard because no one knows how hard it is until you're in it, right? right. So right. my question to you is, I'm sure you're getting asked, you are hiring. What are you looking for? I know it's somebody you can eat dinner with, but how are you navigating, not just saying yes to everyone that wants to come over? Well, one, you can't afford to say yes to everyone that wants to come over. Mm -hmm. we, we have trained a lot of new people, 50% of our top 10 producers are under three years in the business. Oh, wow. And cool. they are still maintaining their position because I run internal coaching within our company. When new people come on board, they have to go through coaching for their first 12 weeks, basically. And it is all purchase intensive and focused. I, I have a joke that I like to say, if you're getting into the business new, you need to make a list of everyone you know Predictive analytics says eight to ten to eight to eleven percent of those people are going to move in the next twelve months, and your job is to find them. Mm. So that means you know eight to eleven percent of everyone that you know, everyone that exists, is going to move. And so when I came into the business, I was coached into purchase production because I came from a business that had mutual funds and annuities and trails, and I had this amazing area manager at the company that I went to. And she said, first of all, Carrie, people did loans when I, when I've been in the business for 30 years and people do loans and buy houses at 18%. Mm -hmm. And second, you need to always focus on purchase production because that is how you will live. That is your annuity. You will get people into your database and they will move. So we hire 
new people. We do assess them heavily and put them through a multiple interview process. And then we put them through new loan officer coaching and training and they either do it or they don't. Mm -hmm. But the ones that do it obviously can catch on really quickly and do really well. Also, I don't know now, the, the average loan officer's age used to be about 52. I don't know what it is currently. Mm -hmm. I know all of our leadership is over the age of 50. And so we have to bring new people in. We got to go yeah. sucker some 29 year olds into accidentally getting into this business. <laughs> I know that's the tough part though, right? Yeah, this is their, this is their business next. So mm -hmm. we're very much about how does a person feel though? Will they contribute to our environment? We often bring some of our top producers in because I like, I just love everyone in our organization. And so we bring our top producers in sometimes to do interviews on a panel. If we're not sure about someone, we're, we're asking for help and sort of sniffing out the skunks. Cause mm -hmm. you're right. You can have, first of all, none of us can afford non-productive people right now. I'm sorry, but it's true. If you pay yep. for any services at all, which we do, we pay for a portion of benefits. We pay for technology. I mean, we're, Amen. we're, we provide a lot. Well, so you can't have zero production or we're losing money every month. Whereas some companies who are like, well, no, we just charge you every month for everything that you utilize. Mm -hmm. They're probably not losing money on that person, but also that brings your culture down. If you have yeah. people who are not producing and how can I feel good about knowing that somebody does this for their living and that they're not taking a paycheck home to their families for months and months and months. So we try to check really closely when people come into us and they say, uh, I haven't closed a loan in three months and I'm in retail. We try to look at what opportunities have you had? Mm -hmm. Tell us about the leads that you're getting. What are your referral sources? So prove to us that you're capable because you can say, I'm not getting any deals because my pricing's 300 basis points out sure. of yours. Mm -hmm. And that is very likely true in many cases, but also it may just be that they were a basket carrier. Yep. And so we can't hire basket carriers right now and we can never hire cancers. Mm -hmm. I, I was in retail when I learned, uh, I had a person who was one of the top producers in my office, but people didn't want to sit in the offices on either side of her because her language was so bad and mm -hmm. she was not nice to people. And so we had to part company because wanting to go to work is everything do what you love you'll never work a day in your life mm -hmm. i want everybody in our organization to feel that way so we are looking for those i want to hire 50 million dollar producers mm -hmm. but i want them to want to be a part of something bigger than themselves that's yeah really cool very 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 well put so yeah everyone hiring out there you know take it was the old uh hire slow fire fast yeah. whatever right um but that's very important right now I think a lot of, um, it's funny, uh, some of the retail guys I've, I've talked to, they they think they have some leverage sometimes, <laughs> and that's okay. Like, I want them to promote, but they're not they're not leveraging it the right way. Yeah. Like, talk about, you know, who you are as a person, where are things coming from? Not like, yo, I did 40 million the past couple, that, that's great, but, uh, right. you know, they... Uh, I don't know. That's a whole nother. I'm like, well, I did 50 million. I'm like, Hey, I did 50 million last year and a significant yeah. percentage of it was purchase. Yeah. What does that do for me today? Yeah. Not one thing. Yeah, exactly. Not one thing. The other thing that I'm struggling with, and I don't know about anybody else, and maybe we'll have some commentary when the podcast posts is I am running into, so retail still writing $200,000 signing bonuses. Yeah. I don't get it. And why do you think your rates are so high? And oh, by the way, when you get there and they can't deliver what was promised, you can't leave because you have a clawback for 30 months or 24 months or 18 months, mm -hmm. whatever it is. So mm -hmm. I just challenge every person to think about where do you really want to be that you can do the best thing for yourself, for your family, for your client mm -hmm. and never work a day in your life because you love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll bring this up quick. Uh, I've heard... Um, so you have these little teams on the non-bank retail, right? And they mm -hmm. have a P&L, but it's really a smoke and mirror P&L because yeah. you can't get paid off a of profit and all this stuff. And uh, you have loyal people that are working for a company. They're very loyal for They have a stacked P&L. It's there when things are tough to be able to give someone a draw. And they're literally taking from 
person's PL because you really don't have control over it right. to go give signing bonuses to other people. It's it's kind of imploding in a weird way um, that I've never seen before, you know? Yeah. So whatever. And so I anyway. know really smart people yeah. who still are telling me, I feel like retail is safer. Yeah. Than wholesale. And I don't know how many companies they have to watch close wholesale or close retail or close states or close offices before they say, oh, safer from what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, it goes back to the initial, we have to figure out how to communicate this properly in the correct manner to everyone out there with the, with the truth, because there's yeah. just a lot of, I hate saying the word lies, but I just think people are a bit desperate and don't know what to do. And that leads to certain things. I, I believe that all people are good. I just think people are just misinformed sometimes. And it's tough to, tough to get that out there. But, well, I believe that people are good, but brokers are better. <laughs> there you go. That, that Julian's going to cut that up. That'll be a clip to so, say, you know, whatever. Um, all right. So listen, I told you it was going to go fast, right? Like we yeah. literally have like four to five minutes left, right? Yep. It's been 40 minutes. So I always end with two questions. All right. So if you, and we've covered some of this, but if you are a new loan officer mm -hmm. or an experienced loan officer that needs to reinvent themselves, which you kind of have to do right now, right? Yeah. It's a little bit of pain. What is one or two things you are telling uh, her or him? Okay. Well, I'm telling myself because we are all in this attempting yep. to thrive and grow in this environment. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that I, that I do honestly tell new loan officers is you need a list of at least 250 people. Okay. 200 sphere of influence and 50 prospective partners, whether those are real estate agents, financial advisors, CPAs, builders, HR directors, but 50 prospective partners. Mm -hmm. You need to, you can hate scripts, you can love scripts, but you need to at least have bullets for yourself on what are you going to say? Because number one and two barriers for new loan officers that are fined or they don't know who to call and they don't know what to say to them. Okay. And so if you make a list of everyone that you're going to call on and then you actually design intentionally what you're going to say, it becomes much easier to call and prospect with people. Mm -hmm. The number two thing is be better than I am at technology. Our social spheres are enormous. I have thousands of people in LinkedIn and Facebook and I, those are relatively untapped for me. And so I'm actually coaching out of the side of my mouth when I do this in coaching and I talk to people about utilizing their social sphere and really being present, starting to do video and communicating content that matters mm -hmm. to the people that are already connected to you. If you have, if I have 5,000 people on LinkedIn, I do not know all of those people, but I have their ear in a professional environment in a way that I can show that I have a lot of information, knowledge, and wisdom about mm -hmm. what's going on. And so between good old fashioned, call the people, see the people, know who you're prospecting to and know what the heck you're going to say to them and make it effective. And then number two, really push into technology, push into video, push into communicating to the sphere that you have, whether you're on TikTok or Twitter or Pinterest or Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn, if you're a dinosaur like me, mm -hmm. then whatever those social channels are, you need to be posting content and you need to be reaching out to people and you need to be answering questions. And it's got to be good. I, I, you mentioned this. It's got to be decent, good content that yeah. really matters. Yep. It just can't just be some BS. Like, well, there's so much great, there's great content available. People are curious. You said it, JP. Everywhere you go, people are talking about this. So, I mean, they want, they want to be coached. They want the information from a, uh, an expert. So yeah. give yourself some credit and actually do it because people yeah. are looking for it. And that's where, like my coach said, you just, you're not going to find the motivation. You got to try one of them. And then it kind of steamrolls from there. So I'm with you there. Uh, next question. So kind of open-ended. This can be real estate. This can be mortgage, whatever it is. Where do you see the industry in the next three to five years? Whether it's real estate, mortgage, mix it up. Like, what's your thoughts? Oh, my gosh. So I thought you might say 12 to 18 months. That's such an easier question. We can go there. That's fine. No, I like three to five. I want to see five years. Okay. So five years. I see more of a return to norm normal. See, mm -hmm. like I have 21 years in this business already. 
And the last couple have been an enigma. They've mm. been highly unusual. And so I see more of a restoration to um, a more sustained growth model, a more traditional growth model, not as much frenetic energy around housing. But I do see that maybe we're going to have a return to volatility in the interest rates. If we just go, if we look backwards, a lot of times that will tell us what we're looking at when we look forward. And so rates just don't stay in the threes mm -mm. and they haven't historically. And I don't expect them really to go there in the next three to five mm -hmm. years either. So if we see a return to more normal interest rates, if we see a return to more normal, uh, value appreciation but what i do see in the next three to five years and i would i would put money on it if anybody would like to bet against me i do believe that the broker and the wholesale community will return to 65 or 70 percent market share nice. in the next three to five years nice. we're on our way now i mean if you would look at the chart of our progression and so aim we need you to put that chart out uh if you look at the chart of progression and the growth of the broker origination platform, let's say from 2013 to it's about to be 2023. I'd love to see that chart because that's just a steady climb. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing for the originator. It's the best thing for the client. And really, if you're a company like yours or mine, it's the best thing for the company. It's the, it's the best way to be of service. Mm -hmm. And I just see a return to this massive amount of the originations really going through the broker and wholesale channel. Well, right. Well, like you said, the, the client, the originator are more sophisticated and understanding mm -hmm. our businesses a bit more. And I think a lot of them want to work with a, uh, a, a local, I know you're a bunch of states, but local, you know, small business type company. Now I think people want to support that. So I, yeah, I, I don't see, anything that prevents getting us that market share in my opinion i agree with you i don't either and how much more could you legislate against a channel of business when they so licensing applied to everybody but not banks they only yeah. had to be registered so if you're a felon you can go work for a bank congratulations mm -hmm. but nobody else got hit with this cap on compensation and it's a barrier. A lot of times talking to retail people, they're like, well, people see what you earn. And I say, well, first of all, you can just tell them that's what Better. your company earns. And yeah. second, you can say, which would you rather see? My lower rate and the revenue that's earned on it or the higher rate of this retail company you're comparing me with? And you don't know, are they charging four points? Are they charging six points? Are they charging eight points? Well, yeah. I don't see that type of hostile legislation mm -hmm. coming toward the broker channel again. I don't one because we're gaining steam and we're gaining advocacy which didn't which we didn't really have before and we do have companies that have more financial strength and more interest in serving the broker community the banks were interested in serving the banks but a lot of these companies a significant percentage or all i know we've got a couple that are all uh -huh. but a significant percentage of their business is from their wholesale channel and they're seeing their profitability is significant so there's just no reason why it can't happen or why it won't happen. Nice. Well, Carrie, it was good speaking to you. It was nice to meet you. Um, of course, if you need anything from me, hit me up. I hope I could do the same with you. Absolutely. I wish you uh, much success and I hope you have a great day out there in Denver. Thank you so much, JP. You too. All right. Later. Later. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you'll have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait. Sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.